0: This is the AAOS Career Podcast, part of the Bone Beat Orthopedic Podcast channel. This series features conversations on professional development and growth opportunities within the field of musculoskeletal healthcare. I'm your host, Austin Beeson, chair of the AAOS Resident Assembly. I could not be more excited to welcome Dr. Julie Samora and Dr. Richard Dacus to the show. And we look forward to discussing diversity, inclusion, and equity in orthopedics and ways to advance these initiatives in our field. Dr. Samora specializes in pediatric hand and upper extremity surgery at Nationwide Children's Hospital. She is a clinical associate professor at The Ohio State University and is the current president of the Ruth Jackson Orthopedic Society. She is also a member of the AOS Diversity Advisory Board and is on the board of directors for POSNA. Dr. Dacus specializes and hand and upper extremity surgery, as well, and is an associate professor at the University of Virginia, where he previously served as the program director of the Orthopedic Surgery Residency until 2019, when he was appointed the vice chair for diversity, inclusion, and clinician wellness. He is also a member of the AOS Diversity Advisory Board and liaison to the J. Robert Gladden Orthopedic Society. Thank you both for being here and welcome. Glad to be here. It's a privilege. Dr. Samora, it's no secret, despite gains in gender, ethnic and cultural diversity in medical schools and other medical subspecialties, the orthopedics community has lagged behind. What is the value of having a diverse population of providers in orthopedic surgery, and what do we stand to lose by not being diverse?
1: This is an area about which I'm very passionate, and we are making gains, albeit slowly. We are about 92% white males, and we have a lot of work to go. It definitely does not represent our U.S. population. It's been shown in studies how important diversity is for an organization. For example, having a diverse work group can improve productivity, promotes humanistic values, enhances overall communication, helps build synergy, reduces absenteeism, lowers employee turnover rates, and even reduces legal responsibility in various discrimination lawsuits. And time and time again, it's been shown that heterogeneous groups outperform homogeneous groups. In healthcare, it's been shown to have a really big effect on patients. Having a diverse set of providers reduces health disparities. It increases the number of physicians who provide care for the underserved and disadvantaged. Patients who are managed by a physician who is similar to them are more likely to be satisfied with their treatment. They communicate more effectively. They follow recommendations. And that leads to having an overall better outcome of care. And just having diversity in the healthcare system will enhance the overall health of the population.
0: That is a perfect summary. Dr. Dacus, uh, as a previous program director, I'm curious what your thoughts are. What is the value of diversity in a residency program? What does it add to residents' education.
2: Residents themselves benefit by a diverse environment. They're more likely to be in tune with their patients and their peers who are similar to them. They're also more inclined to be more in tune with the ailments of their community, so to speak. I think developing a program of diversity starts at the top. You need to have investment from up top, and it needs to trickle its way down. You need to have resident involvement, faculty involvement, program director involvement, and chairman involvement. In order to get that accomplished, you have to create an environment where it's welcoming. It's not just about checking a box and saying that we've added someone who is of an underrepresented group to a residency program and that we've done enough. That's only the beginning. There's a lot of data that shows that the attrition rates in resident populations are significantly higher in underrepresented groups, and the satisfaction and and comfort level and feeling of isolation are variables that are increased or changed in people of underrepresented groups, and so. The inclusiveness of the residency program is critical to people's success. Success is, is something that we measure in weird ways in residency programs. So to let people in, we look at how well you can do on a test. But then when you get there, we measure on how well you're able to perform a task. And sometimes we don't really address those areas in ways that are really equitable. There's a, a component of benefit of the doubt that happens quite often in a residency program where like individuals tend to give like individuals the benefit of the doubt more often than not. The other thing I'll say is that having faculty members that look like the resident population tends to foster diversity as well. So the more women you have on the faculty, the more likely women are f- to feel comfortable training your program. The same thing goes for underrepresented minorities. The mentorship component that is manifested from being a resident goes a long way when you have near peer mentorships. And that goes with young faculty as well. I benefited substantially from having senior faculty that were underrepresented minorities who were able to help me through those first couple of years, which can be quite challenging.
0: That is a perfect segue and all great points. In 2020, there was an article in JBJS that talked about barriers to increasing diversity in orthopedics from a residency program perspective. And the top reason they cited was not having enough minority faculty, which they felt could deter minority applicants from applying. So to your point, seeing themselves in the faculty and that emphasis on inclusion is so important to success. Dr. Samora, any thoughts on barriers to increasing diversity in the orthopedic community at large and also in training?
1: I think it's very much along the lines of what Dr. Dacus is saying. It's been shown that 30% is a key number You really need 30% of that underrepresented group to no longer really be underrepresented anymore. If you look at the programs that have cultivated diversity, they have diverse faculty, and diversity begets diversity. So it's really hard if you're the program with all white males to all of a sudden encourage diverse applicants to come to your program. It's kind of a catch-22, but you haven't demonstrated that you are an inclusive community this specialty of ours does still have the stereotype. You need brawn and not necessarily brains to do orthopedics, although I would argue you need a little bit of both. There's a lot of people that are not in orthopedics that actually dissuade medical students from pursuing orthopedics because of this stereotype that sort of still exists. And it's gonna take us a long time to break down that stereotype. But the more we talk about this, the more people are focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion, I think we'll make gains, but it's gonna be a slow and steady race.
2: I'd like to piggyback on barriers, and a big one is that other faculty members feel like quality is compromised by diversifying the program. And that's been shown to not be accurate. I'll use the idea that the smartest person at Jackson State University is smarter than the average person at UVA. A scenario where you perceive that someone, because of the place where they're at, that limits their capabilities, and I think that's a huge error that we make, particularly in recruitment. You see that in residency programs as well and even in medical schools where uh, they devalued education of people based on where they're training or where they're from, but not recognizing the fact that they've they've shown excellence even in the face of significant adversity often at times.
1: You bring up a good point. If you look at the actual application process, it is really filled with biases. We look at numbers, we look at the prestige of the medical school, we look at AOA. We don't really have a great way to look at grit. So, for someone that's working two jobs while also going through med school, while also taking care of their mother, while also being the sole breadwinner for their family, Where does that go in the application process? So I think there are certainly ways we can really make an application more holistic, but right now we still are sort of in this box. We need to start thinking outside of the box.
0: I completely agree. One of the points that you both made is that you've had mentors in the past that have helped you get there. Mentors can, in many ways, help break down some of these barriers. Dr. Dacus, can you talk to us about the importance of mentorship and its role in increasing diversity in our field?
2: The first thing is, if you can see it, you can be it. So seeing someone who is doing something that you may have never even thought you could do is a start. The second is uh, someone who's already taken the bumps and bruises. My father used to say that all the time. He's taken all the the bumps and bruises just so I don't have to. And the other aspect of it is the introduction component of showing you the way, so to speak, showing the way to get through it. Residency is challenging. Having someone who can show you a way to get through that difficult time is is important. And then having someone who can introduce you to research other opportunities, show that allyship or even that sponsorship that you really need to be able to succeed. Junior faculty in particular, when I first started in practice, my senior partner has done everything to help facilitate my career. And as he's gone up, he's allowed me to come up with him. That, That long lasting aspect of mentorship is really important as well.
1: I would like to add to that as well. That sponsorship piece is a step beyond mentorship, and that is pushing you into a role that you might not have otherwise even known about, sought after you're getting put on podiums, you are being asked to join really quite critically important committees, having a position at your own institution that someone paves the way for you. And that sponsorship happens a lot, but it happens for the majority. And it needs to happen more for the underrepresented minorities, because that's really the only way for those folks to succeed.
0: Dr. Samora, I listened to your presidential address, and I loved what you said about serving as a rocket booster for other women in orthopedics. And I think that is exactly the spirit of sponsorship that you just mentioned. I do want to go back to this a little bit. Do you have any advice for faculty or residents, peers that are not from an underrepresented minority in orthopedics to serve as a source of advice or a source of mentorship for someone who is?
2: I think the first thing is to check your bias at the door. Be open. Listen. Ask questions. I think people have a misunderstanding that trying to gain knowledge is insulting. When In, in actuality, it's what people want. Uh, I think there's really a really huge void into what actually is known about what it's like you know, to be a minority in America. A lot of the information people get, they get on television through some sort of media outlet that may not necessarily be indicative of that individual. You see it when people walk down the street. You see it when you take care of someone from a community where they are have no underserved minorities, their perception of you is based on something they've seen and they don't know you at all. The first step is really trying to get to know that person. Get a real understanding of where they come from, what's going on. They may actually be very similar to you in almost every way, except for how they look. The presumption that someone who's an underrepresented minority comes from a poor background is not necessarily accurate. The second thing I think is to at least have a little bit of insight into what's going on in America. (laughs) And ask questions and be comfortable asking questions about things that you don't know and be comfortable listening and learning. Obviously, 2020, there was a lot going on. And most people just buried their heads in the sand. People weren't having conversations. And that actually made it worse. It makes it more awkward. When you walk in a room and literally the night before, something's happened it has been pretty tragic in America and people act like nothing happened. That's almost the worst scenario you can walk into as an unrepresented minority. The the openness and the willingness to listen and learn is important. And you may not agree with everything that someone has to say, but listening to them, I think, is a good start.
1: And I would add that we need our majority colleagues to be our mentors and sponsors. I've had the privilege of having many white males be my mentors and sponsors. And without them, I wouldn't have been able to get where I am today. And I hope that I am being as mentoring and sponsoring to the next generation, because I think that without that, it's just going to be a challenge.
0: I do want to switch gears a little bit. You're both members of the diversity advisory board. You're both involved with Dr. Samora, the Ruth Jackson Society, and Dr. Dacus with the J. Robert Gladden Orthopedic Society. What led you to those organizations, and what should residents, early trainees know about these efforts? How can they get involved?
2: What led me to Gladden Society was when you are underrepresented, as we are, you're on an island to some extent. So just knowing there are other people out there who who are doing what you're doing, is a start. And having a collective is empowering. It provides you with networking opportunities that you didn't know were there. There's mentorship built into the platform as well, which is what I really enjoy, having connection with medical students. Being a program director, the benefit of that is that a lot of people reach out to you. And uh, a lot of students that were recommended by people who otherwise may not have recommended them to us. And that part of it was what drew me to Gladden Society in the first place. And going to stay because it's well run and I think it continues to evolve, provide excellent opportunities for the members, but also trying to connect with the academy.
1: I received one of the scholarships to go to the Ruth Jackson annual meeting, as well as the AAOS annual meeting. I joined Ruth Jackson as a medical student. I was hooked. This was a community of like-minded individuals. These are peers that are providing you with advice and someone to be able to talk to with similar issues about whether it's childbearing or managing career and family or how to breastfeed, things that we don't really get a chance to talk about in the professional world. And I have been on committees in medical school through residency and then worked my way up to being in the presidential line and I am very proud of a lot of the things we've accomplished as an organization. Very much like Gladden, we do offer uh, formalized mentorship, informal mentorship. We provide professional development. Our goal is really to see every woman in our society succeed in orthopedics. And unlike the lobster tail, which is one lobster doesn't wanna see another lobster succeed, so they pull them back in the hot pot. We are literally trying to lift each other up and providing ladders and step stools and really allowing each one of us to succeed.
0: I love the lobster analogy. Both of you got involved early in these organizations. How can residents and early trainees get involved with these organizations and what benefits does it have to their professional development?
1: I think entering any of these organizations as a junior trainee is critically important. It gives you a group of individuals who can provide you with guidance, with mentorship. Certainly we have lots of resources as far as interviewing skills, uh, tips and tricks to get through residency. We also provide the opportunities to present your research, to do research work that's grant-funded. We also provide scholarships to go to the meeting, and we also provide traveling fellowships. If you can manage it with a difficult training schedule, I think the more you can get involved with these organizations that you see yourself in, I think they will provide you with a really great background and a great start to your career.
2: A lot of early residency is survival. So being able to establish mentorships early is quite critical. It allows you to be able to develop research avenues that may not be visible. It allows you to weather the storms. It keeps you out of what Dr. Eric Carson refers to as the death spiral. So when you start to make mistakes and then you beget those mistakes with mistakes, and then you get a, a reputation for mistakes, and then people ultimately don't finish the program for various reasons. And so having connections above you are important. The other thing it allows is for you to have the opportunity to get scholarships to go to meetings, to go to the academy, to go to NMA, to go to other big meetings where you can actually get some exposure, potentially present your research at those meetings, and also uh, continue to make inroads and establish connections going forward. So I think the earlier you do it, the better. It's obviously challenging just to get yourself out there, but we try and do everything we can to make it as easy as possible to do. It's free for residents, which I think is important as well. I wonder if
0: there are any pieces of advice that you would give to your younger self or something you wish you had done differently in your professional development in terms of cultivating diversity and finding your way in orthopedics.
2: I think a big thing I would say to myself was to get involved in the recruitment process as a resident. There were 200% minority males in the year above me, and, and I came in and I think I had a feeling that oh, this program would just continue to be that way, continue to be diverse, and we only had one female the whole time I was there. And there were definitely opportunities to be more vocal about that, to express more interest in kind of being a part of the process. And I would say that I wasn't as much as I should have been. And we tried to foster that a lot in a residency program at Virginia, where the residents were intimately involved in the selection process. And That's something that I just didn't do as a resident. And um, and looking back on it, that's something I could have done that probably would have been something that would have helped foster that movement a little bit better.
1: I think being a part of the interview process is critical for two reasons. One, to actually be on the other side. What advice to give to people that are interviewing? What is the actual interview committee looking for? And two, to have a voice in the selection process. I think that's critically important. I love that advice. Also, I think it's super important that these med students that see you doing orthopedics, they're looking up to you. So take every opportunity you can to take them under your wing. The most enjoyable thing I do in all of my career is the mentorship. I get no more enjoyment than anything when someone texts me, hey, I got 10 interviews today, or I got 12 interviews today, or hey, I matched on my best residency program, or hey, I just got to be a chair of a committee. These texts or calls or emails from mentees is the best feeling I can get. So I think anytime you have the opportunity to mentor, even if you don't realize you're actually mentoring, you are at every step in the process. Even as an intern, you're still showing those folks that are maybe one rung below you how it's possible to do this really awesome field.
0: This is a topic we could talk for hours and hours upon. Any thoughts, anything that we didn't talk about that you want to have included
2: to students, residents, early career, you do have a voice. The more that you engage in the process, the more likely you are to see change. You sit back and expect someone else to do it, you end up getting disappointed quite often. The more vocal and the more active that people are at a younger age or a younger stage in their career, the more important. And obviously, we, we recognize that there are limits to that. As a resident, there are limits to how vocal you can be because you're just trying to get through. As a junior faculty member, you're obviously trying to the line, so to speak, to promotion. So there are elements of it where it's a challenge, but the more educated that you can become in the matter, I think, is important. Anyone who's on a committee, you should get educated on what that committee is about. Really try and learn some things and take advantage so that you gain a little bit more than what you came in with.
1: I am optimistic for our future. We are talking about things that we never talked about before. I have had complete strangers reach out to me about some of the articles that have been written in AOS Now saying I never thought that we would be talking about LGBTQ issues, about racism, about breastfeeding, about same-sex marriage. That's the first step. And we have some really dynamic folks that are leading the way. We've got really great organizations, whether it's Gladden or AOA or the Academy or Ruth Jackson or ALOS or uh, Black Women Orthopedic Surgeons. We just have some really great organizations. And just putting a plug in, we're crafting a new LGBTQ organization for orthopedics. So I think that there's a lot of positivity moving forward. Uh, It's going to take some time, but we've got some great leaders and we've got the next new generation that are really pushing the envelope.
0: I have to say, I share the sentiment of optimism. I think we've come a long way and have a long way to go. But folks like yourself are really inspiring. And I know our listeners will have a lot of advice to sift through on this episode. I want to thank you both for being here. This was really insightful and encouraging, I think. Dr. Dacus, I do want to mention a quote that I read in an AOS Now article that was recently published that you said, that diversity means there are differences and inclusion means that those differences have value. I thought that was a perfect way of looking at that. And I hope that this episode sparks conversation, which is critically important to this topic. Thank you both for being on the show. Thank you for listening to this episode of the AAOS Career Podcast, part of the Bonebeat Orthopedic Podcast channel with production and sound design by Mission Based Media. For more information on this topic and to hear other conversations on professional development, please visit aaos.org forward slash thebonebeat-career.